is the fourth already? Jesus. Yeah, it's of course it's the fourth, because you got nothing but dumbass Star Wars joke. <laughs> do 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 I'm telling you, man, it's a banger. You're never gonna get away from it. Mic check. Might just have to go without video for today. I guess I can just have a have a phone call with Chris today. Well, I get to see your ugly mug, so. <laughs> testing, testing, testing. Let's not have so much echo. You're, you're fine, by the way, love. Uh, we're, we're just setting up. You're, you're so easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, your camera's working, just maybe not quite white balanced. You're less blown out. You're just in, like, high contrast. All right, can you see me? You guys, I you can guys see you. Me? I do see you. What? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> dude that looks badass it pops even on camera like dude that looks oh yes dude that looks so crisp that looks great man so we have two prototypes done hell yeah oh that's sick he's got prototypes for the shirts dude i those i am stoked on the shirt that looks awesome it's very excellent Hello, Rip City, to all of you in town and out of town and in every corner of the interwebs, whether you're in this galaxy or one far, far away, thank you for tuning in here with you from Hood River. My name is Keith Feltner-Smith, and may the fourth be with you as Chris is giving me the Vulcan signs, and here with me, as always, he may not be a Star Wars fan, we will forgive him for this today, because he is the on-time Hawaiian, the master of segues, the Mr. Professional, the Christopher, the Joseph, the Burkhart. What's up, sir? How you doing, buddy? I hope this podcast lives long and prospers. <laughs> well played. Well played. I respect that. I'm cool with that. That was a good one. Come on. You can't, you can't be mad about this is the This is our holiday. This is the Star Wars fan's holiday. You can't I did, on that. No, no one. <laughs> you, you are claiming this, but I, I've never claimed to not be a, a Star Wars fan. I just think that uh, May the 4th jokes are so overplayed and cheesy. <laughs> and oh, may the 4th be with you. <laughs> it's about as bad as all the all the damn Justin Timberlake memes. <laughs> it's gonna be It's gonna May. be May. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so funny. I should be a comedian. Oh my gosh. <laughs> just stop. You're just a hater, bro. You, need to, you, you spend too much time on Twitter. You, you, I think Twitter's just burning you out. That, that is just that's some some standard sta- that is the, the the bar that is the bar for Twitter right there is may the fourth be with you and it's gonna be May and how about this is the May from from the uh, Mandalorian stuff more Star Wars I don't know maybe you, you know you're right I assumed you were not a Star Wars fan just because of the level of of uh, of disgust you seemed to have when I was getting that ready but uh, you know I, look I'm I'm no it's not I'm no, truly a level of disgust I am I am firmly on team do what makes you happy. I am just not on team May the 4th makes for funny jokes because it's overplayed. <laughs> but I'm firmly I, I like on team my... do what makes you happy. And if May the 4th I... jokes make you happy, post the hell out of them. There I'll we probably go. Like I, I like my overplayed dad jokes. I like doing the things that are cheesy as hell because I'm a cheesy and corny guy. I also really like love hugs and hate mail. So let's get to it. All right. It's time for everyone's favorite segment, 
that will be on YouTube for the second week in a row because look at us. We're doing cool things. Love we're hugs on YouTube now. and hate mail where Keith and I put our brains together. We send love out into the universe. We send hugs out into the universe and we send double birds to everyone else that we hate. That's the hate <laughs> mail, baby. I'll start first because this is an important one. It's a very important one. I've been waiting since I jumped on the podcast for this one. My love goes out. To the Asian American Pacific Islander community for AAPI Month, Asian American Pacific Islander Heritage Month. If you can't tell, big proud Islander over here. So I love this month, love this month. And as I said on my other podcast, uh, Just Two Fans with Jamie Friedlander and Eli Johnson, go check it out. Shout like, out. Share, subscribe. Um, what I love about this month is is people who who don't come from a background or or aren't from a minority group don't truly understand what representation means and and i don't mean that in a bad way it's just you haven't been exposed to it in ways other people have as for me like i remember growing up like uh when the rock started wrestling like i loved the rock from day one and it wasn't because he totally. was uber famous and he was the rock like his very first match he was rocky mayavia and came out and was just a goober but i loved him because he was billed as from the hawaiian islands and his 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 his, his grandpa peter mayavia was a wrestler there and high chief and like you show they show pictures of his grandpa and like i would st i was stunned because his grandpa like i don't look like the rock i'm not six foot five and gorgeous but his grandpa is almost like a spitting image of my grandpa. So it's like you would see, oh, like wow. you saw, you saw people that, that looked like, like your family and had yeah. the, the, the upbringing from the, the connection to the Hawaiian islands, like my family did. And it was things you didn't see before. And so like that representation mattered to me and it's no bullshit, dude. Like I wore long sideburns because the rock had long sideburns. I wore tra <laughs> track pants because the rock wore track pants. It had nothing to do with how good the rock was as a wrestler. It had everything to do with like, Representation. He was, he was from Hawaii, and my family was from Hawaii, and that was so cool, and I loved it. So that's why I love this month because little things like that matter to people, man. And AAPI month is freaking awesome. So mahalo for letting me get that one off my chest, Keith. Hell yeah, bro! Lots of love to you and the entire AAPI community, and thank you. Lots of love for the logo you you designed for us as well, man. Real happy to have uh, just just you know like you're saying, just to celebrate and support. Uh, real quick, thank you. His name was Rocky what when he first came out? Rocky? Rocky Maivia. Maivia. I had never heard of that before. Rocky Maivia because his, his, his grandpa, his dad was Rocky Johnson and his, his, his grandpa was High Chief Peter Maivia. Were you saying and this so, was the stage name as a wrestler, or this was like his actual? No, this was his very his very first match wrestling match was okay. this was his his stage name. He didn't have a name. name. Okay. He want he, well, he wanted to come out, and his like his name that he like actually started wrestling under was Flex Kavana. Flex Kavana. Flex Kavana. Wow, I've never because he of actually that did not want the connection to his family because he wanted to make a name for himself. But when wow. he wa when he walked out in WWE, they said, "Nope, we're." We got the final say here, so we're going to give you half your dad's name, Rocky Johnson, half your your grandpa's name, Peter Maivia, and we're going to call you Rocky Maivia. Okay, not, okay. So was it. it wasn't like it was some total like stereotyping of the Hawaiian name kind of thing that with the my it was actual his background. I, I, it was, I was, it was literally it was from. half and half. It was half and half. Half cool, his half okay. his dad, half his grandpa when the game was in. But yeah, I like hashtag, that. The more you know, Flex Kavana. Flex Kavana. <laughs> All right, uh, my love. I am a. Uh, this is kind of a more of a support, kind of a hug, kind of love going out there. Going to Brittany Griner. Uh, she has been detained over on the other side of the world in Russia. The U.S. recently 
I think, I believe basically changed their phrasing of how they're viewing the situation. Brittany Griner, as far as the U.S. is concerned, is now labeled as wrongfully detained. From the very basic understanding that I have about this stuff, it's just that this, in some way, is supposed to help maybe uh, streamline the system to help get her back here. Maybe prevent it from going through certain courts if, if it's uh, being contested whether this is a fair thing to, to, to arrest her and detain her for or not. Mm-hmm. Either way, uh, all the love to Brittany Griner, her family and friends, everyone that cares about her, get her home safe. What a time to be stuck in a russian prison too like what oh horrible gosh, timing I can, only, I can only imagine and it just speaks to the larger issue at hand not just uh internationally in russia but even even locally here with federal laws and this and that like dude like uh oh yeah drug paraphernalia a little bit of weed on you or you know cannabis oil and like this like it's so yeah. stupid it's so stupid and we feed into this nonsense peddled by people who want you to believe it that marijuana is some major big gateway drug that leads to everything else and it's like and i come dude and here i come as a as a you know someone who's in favor of that legalization i've never smoked or touched any of that a day in my life i just understand that dude ain't that bad like but whatever i mean but yeah to go to prison and be stuck in you know a foreign country yeah no fun no fun at all yeah none how about your hugs, sir? Who's got hugs for you this week? My hugs this week, my friend, go to former NBA player who is now becoming one of the most likable voices on the planet, and that is JJ Redick. Yeah. I don't know if you saw the video that circled around <laughs> social media um, at the morning of Star Wars Day. May the fourth be with you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like I totally wanted to take that like Catholic church like may the fourth be with you and a fourth with you and the you fourth know. also and also with you <laughs> yeah. uh, but anyway he I, I, he called his co-host out on the show today I'm, I'm sorry I cannot remember his name is with Stephen A. Smith and someone else but they were talking about Draymond Green and this and that and the old head that was with him went right to the whole like you know uh, people JJ arguments are uh, argument was that People love Draymond Green because Draymond Green is unapologetically Draymond Green. Like he, there, there's people who are fake and try to be tough or try to hide. There's like he is unapologetically Draymond Green, and like we'll talk about it in the press conference, and we'll have his podcast where he talks about he got talked about being ejected and the, getting that flagrant like r- that night. Right. Like, he's unapologetically <laughs> himself, and he's an open book for fans, which is actually very cool. And yeah. his co-host went down the road of like, well, you may say that with the younger crowd, but I know a lot of people from the older crowd who don't like him. You know, people who grow up. You know. Oh, uh, Chris Russo, Mad Dog Russo. Who there you go. Thank Sorry, you. I, I know Thank the clip. You. Yeah, yeah. Who grew up watching uh, Wilt Chamberlain and grew up with Walt, Walt Clyde Frazier and blah 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 and then and then instantly went to the whole like it's not a racial thing it's not a bl-. and JJ Reddick bless his soul called him out on that <laughs> good he you. said like he basically said that like I don't care what old fan thinks because the framing in which you just put it is horse. And basically yeah, called yeah, out that you made even it if you're, uh, go, like, yeah. even if you're not trying, like, cause that's what JJ Reddick said. He's like, I, it's not a black and white thing. I didn't make it a black and white thing. No one but, said that. But yeah. When you phrase it. Oh, it's not a racist thing. You're basically you made it saying, kind of a racist. It's like, it's, it's like when you say like, like, it's like when someone says, Hey, no offense. Right before saying something grossly something offensive. Yeah. <laughs> like, like when you say what I'm about to say is not about the color of someone's skin. And even if what you're saying is in your mind not racist, 
you have put the undertone there that what you're saying can be construed as such, and therefore you probably shouldn't be saying it. Or yeah, you're you're, you're putting your out there argument. that in your head, someone else might think it is. Therefore, it's right. like, wait, so are and, you? Yeah, it's and so that is, and it's also asinine to think that uh, back in the day, guys like Will Chamberlain, Chamberlain, or Walt Frazier, or all the greats, the Doctor J's, right? Even Michael Jordan, because I mean, that's back in the day now. Remember that guy joined <laughs> the freaking <laughs> league in the in the mid '80s. Um, it's not let's pretend like those guys were never talking trash we're never saying expletives right. we're just you know suit and tie up to the neck nice and cut and just yep mind our p's and q's everywhere we go because we're model citizens like dude like, like <laughs> be realistic here don't be stupid but kudos to jj reddick on live tv for not letting that slide jj has been an awesome uh analyst man i really like his takes a lot and i like that he's not afraid to you know, Stephen A or or some of these other guys who are kind of fixtures, when they say something that might be kind of skirting around a real issue, JJ's not afraid to kind of like like put a pause on things and come back to it. I like him a lot on there. Today we've got one anniversary, one holiday going on. May the fourth be with you. But also Rip City just celebrated another anniversary. We just had the point nine shot uh, on May 2nd. Uh it was 2014. When Dame sent the Blazers the second round of the playoffs for the first time in 14 years 14 uh, against the Houston Rockets, against the Houston Rockets, we put this out on Discord, trying to ask like, just where were you? We had a lot of great stories. I think Rachel on our Discord shared a story about how they had canceled the ca- uh, cable subscription, were in a hotel room, and did all this stuff trying to like get someone else's Comcast password so they could view at the last minute, and they made it right before, I think, right before uh, uh, Parsons missed the mm-hmm. free throws, was it? Uh, and then so they got to see the, the Dame shot. Tara, team mom, also shared a story about how her son had gone to prom, wanted to leave early, so came out in like the fourth quarter. They managed to get in to see the TV just in time and woke <laughs> up like the younger brother while cheering. Lots of great conversations and just Left great memories about this. That's shot. awesome. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> uh, but I'm just going to sneak this in here real quick. I know it's early. Come and join our Discord if you haven't already, everyone. The link is in the episode description. Like I said, we were sharing lots of fun memories, lots of great stories from where you were for the point nine shot. My wife and I weren't married yet. We got married about a year later, but we were in the arena for that. And we actually, that gen- just this year, went back to a, a Blazer game against the Rockets with a different group of friends. The friends had bought the tickets, and we ended up in the exact same row, exact same seats as we'd been in for that game, uh, what, eight years ago now? God, that's crazy. Oof. Yeah, wow. that, the, the Blazers roster, bro, Will Barton, Alan Crabb, LaMarcus Aldridge, Wes Matthews, Robin Lopez, uh, <laughs> Thomas Robinson, who we talked about last week, Joel Freeland. These dudes were all Blazers when that shot happened, and it's just it's crazy to think how long ago that really was now. That uh, is pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> who are you hating on this week? I have a feeling that there's a, a good chance our hate goes the same direction. It might, go, it might go a little bit of a different direction because I know, I know things that rile you up and then I laugh because the things that rile you up don't rile me up. So um, <laughs> I, th- I have a feeling Let's I know where you're it. going and you'll get where I'm going. But uh, my hate is just like it went to Grayson Allen for his nonsensical bullshit. My hate is going to Dylan Brooks for his nonsensical bullshit. Like, Dylan mm. Brooks... Dylan Brooks, I'm not ready to label uh, as a dirty player. I think he just plays. I think he plays with an edge. Like he is all. He's like just go, go, go in your face. Talks a lot of, um, and, and this and that. But that particular play was a dirty play, and there's no way around it. That yeah. was not a swipe at the ball. That was straight up the side of Gary Payton's head, and with a player like the, in a player meat, in yeah. the air 
um, which is obviously dangerous. And then a guy who's been having just an incredible year with Golden State. It has been so mm. fun to watch. And there, just full disclosure, I'm an Oregon Duck. I went to the University <laughs> of Oregon, and I am pissing all over an Oregon Duck here to defend a beaver because that's how much that play irritates me. <laughs> because Gary Payton comes yeah. down, and I believe the last I saw is like, that's, that's a, he's getting another MRI, but believed to be a fractured elbow, which fractured means elbow. he's done. Yeah. And it's like, he's been so fun to watch, man. And you went and ruined it because you couldn't take him, like, going up and you know, going up for well, a wide-open just... layup. Like, dude, like, Draymond had the flagrant that got him ejected, too. But, dude, Brandon Clark was not going to get injured when he pulled him down by his jersey the way he pulled him down. Like, this one was straight to the head, knuckle-headed foul. Just, yeah. God, I don't the... like it. This was extra knuckleheaded because, oh, I mean, yeah, let's just tie this in with my hate as well. My hate was going towards the flagrant play so far in the postseason. It's going to Draymond and to Dylan Brooks. But just, you know, to pile on the Dylan Brooks thing, man, he's coming in from behind. Like, it's like you're, you're not even involved in the play. There was so little excuse or reasoning to be that excessive with the power. I, I mean, uh, like you said, too, it's not even a play on the ball, man. It's just it's. It's and there's so been a reckless, couple plays, yep. Keith. Not just not just that one, but but yeah. And, and oh, I yeah. would really like the NBA to come down and just get it out because, like, if you're not making a basketball play, then yeah, just it's don't. You should be punished for that because it's not just these these two fouls we're talking about. But you look at uh, Chris Paul and Jay Crowder each taking a shot and then unnaturally flailing out their leg and kicking an opposing kicking player the leg in the, out. In the yeah, like come on, <laughs> like what the hell is uh, Jose Alvarado and I believe it was Luka Doncic on, on the receiving yeah, end of those yeah. leg flails, and it's just like that's not a natural shooting motion. You're just trying to get the kick in, and yeah, that's uh, uh, yeah, make basketball plays, man, make basketball plays, and especially when it comes from someone like, um, well, honestly, all four players we we just mentioned, um, when it comes from players like that who are way too talented to have to stoop to doing that like right draymond yeah. green you don't have to do that hard foul you're one of the best defenders in the game chris paul you don't have to do a, a leg flail you're one of the best point guards the league has ever seen like draymond green he's the three and d type player that everyone has coveted for years and years that's right. why he jumps around he doesn't jump around because he's bad he jumps around because he signs short-term contracts and then every other team <laughs> wants him because like if he was in portland portland fan would love him but he's talented enough like you don't need to stoop to that and then same with dylan brooks he's come on the scene here in the last couple years is a very reliable player very good on both sides of the ball like you're too talented to go stoop right. to that low and, to hit like bush and, and, and some league. some people some people are going to say it's a competitive thing like you know there is like when you're when you're that competitive and you're in these situations you're going to fight for every inch kind of idea but there has to be a line there has to be a, a certain spot where you draw and say no this is outside of what's necessary what's acceptable and, and i i hear you i'm with you that the brooks one is more flagrant than i think what draymond did in the previous game mm -hmm. but like the the thing with the Draymond one, if we can just jump back to that real quick, it wasn't just the jersey pull; it no, was that he hit him in the face with one hand and then pulled him down yeah. with the other hand on the jersey. It's just excessive. Like it, I, I was talking with some people on our Discord where maybe that wasn't necessarily a flagrant two, but it was like two successive flagrant ones. And <laughs> right. you can't you can't let the as the league if you're trying to like you said if you're trying to curtail this in any way and protect the players, you can't let that be. Oh well, we're just gonna give him a flagrant one for the first action and just ignore <laughs> the rest of this. I, I don't know. It's it's, it's crazy, man. It, it, one way or the other, like you said, the league has to do more to come down and just keep the players safe, keep the game about the game, and yeah, just not not have not have that be what's decides series. How about that? I don't want a series to be decided uh, because you're ejecting starters every game. For well, some not only this, you're you're ejecting 
you're ejecting key players. Those key players key can players, now face yeah. suspension, and another yeah. key player is not going to return for the playoffs because he broke his arm. So yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, like, exactly. That. I mean, I'm just gonna stay. I'm just gonna stay straight to the same thing I said with Caruso. Like, uh, if your play was not a basketball play, and that play led to an injury, I think you should just it, dude be out as long as that person is. Like, yeah, I think that's fair. You know, I, th- I think that would get at least just get taken more seriously. What's the, what, what, what's the what's the what's the incentive not to keith if i can knock a like seriously if i can knock a key defender out for the golden state warriors i can knock him out for the series and beyond but then i get a one game suspension hell right we're gonna right. we're gonna start hiring hockey style goons go out there <laughs> knock some players out and yeah like i said i'm not, I'm not i don't want to label I, I don't think any of the players i know people like to lean that way with draymond i think i i wouldn't label any of those four players that we've mentioned as dirty players honestly i think uh, especially uh, on the draymond and the and the dylan brooks type they 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 go close to the edge and they play on that edge a lot of yeah. passion just a lot of fire like they're just 100 miles per hour all the time i think it's more like you two need to learn when to just lay off that gas a little bit. Right. Like, yeah. That's what we're saying about the competitive thing. Like you just take it too yeah. far. There needs to be a line. Yeah. Cause I, I think it's weird. Like I think, I think, I think a non dirty player can make a dirty play, but that yes. doesn't make them a dirty player. And yeah. So I agree I, with that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't label honestly. Uh, and I know we had, you had that conversation in the discord. Come in, join us. So yeah. I gotta say it again. Uh, but yeah, I, I honestly would not label Draymond as a dirty player and I wouldn't label Dylan Brooks either. And there was, plenty of people instantly ready to jump on that with both of them no yeah dirty play dirty play wouldn't label him as a dirty player i i think i'd be quicker to label grayson allen as a dirty player before either of those guys like like, and you know again we mentioned this with draymond already and we talked about in the discord come and join uh link in the episode description draymond is that he just really does write that line of the kind of guy that it sucks to watch this happen when it's not your team but if he's on your team man it's as someone who has hated on Draymond plenty, it would be a lot harder to hate on him if he's if if you're feeling the benefit of it. Hey, it's easy. Think about it this way, Keith. How many teams do you think absolutely hated Rasheed Wallace? Hmm. Absolutely hated. How many fan bases do you think hated My guy. the nonsense, the yelling, the 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 over animatedness, the the technicals left and right? right. How many fan bases do you think hated it? <laughs> Me as a Blazer fan. Loved it. Love and it. he is Love my it. favorite player to this day. Loved it. I think it's the same thing with Draymond. We did it. Another did it. episode That's... of Love, Hugs, and Hate Mail. Now we can get to the real <laughs> podcast, and I'm going to have fun editing that down to a YouTube-friendly video. But we did it. We had fun. <laughs> we got it. You just, just take some of the meat off the bone. You got plenty to work with. All right. You know, when, when, we, when we were planning this pod, Chris, we were talking about this mostly being about... Uh, some of the postseason uh, heat check stuff on Anthony Simons on Penny, we might get there, but we got a lot to get to first because we had a ton of listener questions from Discord. Before you get to your listener questions, okay? Oh, okay. I do want to show. I do want to. I do want to bring up my disappointment with you. So this new segment is going to be love, hugs, hate mail, and disappointment. <laughs> because I am disappointed that you, Keith. Went through your love and went through your hugs, and there was no love or hugs for this beautiful, beautiful. Oh my god! Oh my god! How could hopefully I? hopefully <laughs> hit the airwaves? 
see, this is just me trying to work on my professional habits, bro. <laughs> I, I had all these, I had all these things written down in here. I had my notes, and I followed my script. I followed my note list. <laughs> I did, you, you showed me that shirt right before the pod started, and I lost my mind. I was you just did. excited I, as I, it, hell. It, I, I should have honestly just <laughs> wore something to cover it and put it on while we were recording but i was too excited no no you're right like that would be an awesome like a live on episode reveal like you can, like, pull off the hoodie and like <laughs> it looks great though it looks so fire we're gonna get these out uh as soon as possible we'll get some links on the discord so come and join the discord link in the episode description if you want to get right. these sick ass shirts now it's in the listener question okay now we can get into the listener questions uh <laughs> we're gonna have to start we're gonna have to find some sort of way to uh uh well, you know, I guess I should say we would have to find some sort of way to get uh, listeners to write in questions, like maybe giving away a shirt for the best question each week. But we have so many awesome questions coming from our Discord listeners. So again, come and join the Discord. Link in the episode description. First question this week coming from our guy Seth, the sheriff of PDX, Seth Morgan, hey! asks, why is Rogue One the best Star Wars movie? What's your, what's your big take on that, Chris? What's your in-depth evaluation of Rogue One as the best Star Wars movie? Okay. I like Rogue One. Here's my here's my bigger thing with um, Star Wars movies, and this comes from the people who are not Star Wars fans. And I, I don't get the Star Wars hate of people who think Star Wars as a franchise is just an awful science fiction franchise. That's more upsetting to me than Blast. what movie is the best because the best in the series is is up to you. I mean, I'm obviously close like. Maybe it's just because I grew up watching them, but I prefer the first three. I think A New Hope is just a beautiful, beautiful movie start to finish. Um, but I do like Rogue One. I know a lot of people didn't like Rogue One, but I like I, I, I like it. I absolutely like it. <laughs> I think I do think, though, when it comes to Star Wars, I think when people really dive into it, because like one of the ones that I'm, I had the most fun with is the animated series, The Clone Wars. Like I thought, Clone that, Wars was, was great. I thought yeah. that was fun. And then... Um, the video games like yeah they don't necessarily work into what you're but like knights of the old republic phenomenal oh classic phenomenal. yeah so but yeah i'm not on the the star wars rogue one hate train and i'm not on the star wars as an awful film franchise uh hate train either because i mean the proof is in the pudding baby <laughs> like yeah <laughs> 20 20 movies and like 10 trillion dollars later uh, i'm pretty sure they're a good film franchise I think, I, think, I think they're doing all right yeah anyone who says star wars is an awful franchise is absolutely insane they, they do not know what they're talking about all their other opinions are discredited uh in in my case rogue one stands out from the rest and you know let's just be clear for the listeners you said uh the first three you're talking about the original trilogy the trilogy the not the prequel trilogy not the out, sequel not the first yeah yes, not yes. the prequels not you're yes, talking four, episodes four five, five and six. six there we go so i mean you know rogue one what i love about rogue one is specifically that because just like you i grew up with four five and six the original trilogy as my movies Rogue One is essentially episode 3.5. It comes in after the prequel trilogy and leads into New Hope. And for me, like when I, the first time I saw Rogue One and you get that tie-in at the end, uh, the last couple of scenes, Vader and the rest, I, it's not really a spoiler. If you haven't seen it yet, go and watch it right now. Just pause the pod. We'll be here when you get back. <laughs> but that whole, they did such a great job with that movie. The updated effects, the updated kind of flying combat, it brought to life what we saw as kids in the original trilogy, but that filmmaking held back in the original trilogy. Like they didn't have good effects back then. They didn't have the, the ability to kind of really do the dogfight in space with the X-Wings and TIE Fighters, but they did it really well for Rogue One. Beyond that, everything nowadays is trilogies. I think the way they had Rogue One, they did a full story and, and 
They left you wanting more, but they gave you everything in this one encapsulated movie. And it was refreshing, man. I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed not having to have kind of the, the simple lead-ins, uh, you know, and I usually fly the other way on this. I love a lot of the modern Netflix series, like in 10 episodes uh, where you get like 10 hour episodes instead of like a one, two hour movie. But in the case of Rogue One, it was just, it was a, a perfect piece of art what they put together there. And obviously now we're going to have some, uh, some follow-up. I can't remember the movie. Um, what am I thinking of here? I have to find this. Rogue Two. Duh. <laughs> They're they're doing a follow up movie Andor on one of the characters from Rogue One because he was just so engaging. So I'm Diego Luna's character Cassian Andor. Like I told Sheriff on the uh, Discord, Rogue One, Star Wars, that's a whole other separate pod episode, let alone its whole other podcast. Maybe we'll have that coming soon in the Trailcasters Network. But for hey, now, this is where I'm just letting you go off. I'm not a Star Wars aficionado, <laughs> not a Star Wars expert. I've seen the movies like Rogue One. I've only seen once though, so like I don't have oh, to do a, oh. a deep dive on, but. Uh, yeah, I'll give I'll give you that. It it, it is good. I don't, like I don't, like. Here's the take. Like I could go on for hours. Bro. When you look hours. at the the first three, which is the prequels, which were technically the second three because the dumb the <laughs> idiocy of how. Like, here's the question: Are the prequels bad movies or just bad relative to what Star Wars fans' expectations were? I uh, believe me again. This is a whole nother episode, if not its own pod. They're bad movies. They are poorly made, <laughs> poorly written. Uh, they they target the wrong audience. Instead, like you, you you bring this the franchise back after decades, and you completely ignored kind of the the tone and the temperature of the previous ones. Went for the kind of this more Disney kids element of it. The writing is horrible. They butchered Anakin's uh, origin story. They they completely. Destroy! Oh, it's oh, so many things they did wrong. Don't even get me started on Jar Jar and all the started, stupid Sith. My, my okay. only last input on that too is Darth Maul was an absolute waste. Oh, and again, it's so horrible because Darth Maul has such great story. You learn more about him in Clone Wars and the mm -hmm. background. It, it's such a dynamic what a, story. What a, what a waste of a good villain! Such a complete waste. The prequel trilogy is horrible. Okay, Let, one more Star Wars <laughs> question. We don't have to even put it in the pod, but. Well, you can cut out this one. Put this one in the pod because this is a good one. Is E.T. a Jedi? And is he part of the Star oh. Wars? Because you've, see, you've seen these, these fan theories, right? Mm. Right? Yes, because I have. Because oh, E.T. Yeah, e. is seen in the, in the, in the background of, of the, the prequel movies there. And E.T. obviously flies the bike in the movie E.T. and recognizes <laughs> the, Yoda, the Yoda toy, right? Um, but he... Uh, he flies the bike and people speculate that like, oh, maybe he could only fly that because he used the force. I, I could I could see it. Here's what I'm going to say. <laughs> the, the, the stuff that they have as far as E.T. in the background, background of the prequels they've also talked about, is that him in the cantina? No, it's a different race that has a very similar triangular shaped head and neck. I can't remember the name of it, but it's not E.T. It, it, they're, they're larger. It's a very different species. Next question. Uh, we got two questions coming in from our, our guy, BMAC, Mac Deuce on Discord. Hey! Come and join the Discord. Link in the episode description. First question, first question from Mac. Ranking the food at the Rose Garden. Top three favorite items to eat. And I, I'm just going to say real quick, bonus points to Brandon for uh, calling it the Rose Garden. Using the proper name. Always bonus points for that. Chris, what are your top three favorite things to eat when you go to a game? Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's an unfair question to ask me. And I was a credentialed member of the media for the last Wait, eight did, years, dude. I ate, I, I still eat ate? media food. I don't go into the concourse oh, oh, and buy the concourse food. Oh, like, okay. 
that that's fine. I, I can be the expert two questions in a row here. I, I will I will say that you've had at least the Hawaiian nachos with me up by uh, our seats over in uh, in 334, right by the Pines. And I feel a little bad that I can't remember the name, but I also don't feel bad because they're not a sponsor of the pod yet. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but the Hawaiian nachos right by the Pines. Hawaiian nachos and a pint of dragon fruit cider is like my go-to gold standard when I'm going to a game. It is. I mean, that being said, I don't even eat most games I go to. Usually I eat a meal before I leave and then maybe bring like a cliff bar in the car or something just to save money, save some of the health stuff of it. But yeah, if I'm getting food, it's those nachos. I don't even know it would be second or third on the list, really. I mean, you could go Killer Burger. Uh, Killer burger there, there's other good stuff in the arena, but uh, but yeah, man, I just go to those nachos because they're right by my seat and they're right next to the dragon fruit cider, and I am set. The last meal I might have had that wasn't with you might have been Kachina Kachina, like, that's, hey. like <laughs> relic. That's, like, awesome. that's that's how long it's been since I haven't had media food. All right, well, I know we didn't give top three favorite items like Brennan asked, but neither of us really eats a lot in the rose garden and when we do man those i you can't beat those nachos they're they're close by it's easy to get to from our seats although hey the third bench our, our new block of blazer fan seats for next year we're a little farther away from these nachos i bet you i'm still making the track i'll, I'll update uh this next season mac deuce we'll update the answer to this if there's any other food items i find up there on the 300 level concourse close to our seats but those hawaiian nachos and a dragon fruit cider at the pines man yep. Out of, inspir- out of inspiration from BMAC. Yeah, we'll, we will all start coming more often with you. And we'll, we'll there you start go. doing Rose Garden concession food reviews on. There we go. The, all, right, all right, so last night we tried Daddy D's barbecue. What do you think, Keith? And- <laughs> There we we go. Need, to get, uh, need to get Casey and Brooke involved hey, hey. for that. They love the, the food reviews in there. And I'm sure they also, as media members, they would probably also love to sample some of the delicious concessions around the Rose Garden. Next question from Mac Deuce. Favorite place to watch Blazer games that aren't a house or the Rose Garden? Again, bonus points for using the proper name, sir. Thank you there. What do you think? Where do you watch the game other than other than the Rose Garden or watching it at home, man? I, the Spirit of 77 comes to mind. I know that's kind of a cliche answer, but it's a great spot downtown, close to the stadium, really good to pregame at. And if you don't have tickets, always a good spot just to hang out there. Nice open room, high tables. You get to enjoy it with like a crowd of people. They got some uh, some Papa Shot hoops on the side. Uh, good drinks, too. We, we were there, actually, the game I mentioned earlier when we went to see the Blazers play the Rockets this year and sat in the same seats as the .9 shot. We were over uh, Spirit of 77 pregame for that. So that, that's that's probably my go-to. That's probably the go-to. And then if you ever get in on a good watch party when people can, like, rent out, like, a theater-style place, put it on the big screen. Oh, yeah. Get, like, that's always, that's always cool. I've never been, I've never been, in general, like, a big fan of the bar scene to watch a game like i would much rather just get a bunch of friends together at a house and drink beers and cook dinner that way i'm bars i i'm gonna be honest i think they're a little overrated but <laughs> but again it's another tough question for me because i've always at, at, at the rose garden so yeah it's it is interesting how kind of the 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 fan setting I mean, things have changed this year, obviously, or the last couple of years and how we view. It's a lot more comfortable or I think a lot more acceptable at this point to just be like, yeah, I'm watching from home. You know, it's just it's where you hang out. It's where you're spending most of the time anyway. It was nice, though. I got to admit, when we went to see the game and, and pre-gamed at Spirit, it was nice to get out there and just be in like a crowd of Blazer fans again. Just It's been even going to games. It was, it was just a different feeling. It was nice to uh, nice to see. I'm looking forward to going to more games next season, though. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll have to pregame some other spots. We'll review this the same way we do the food. All right, next question coming from 
Tim at the Busted Bucket Podcast. Hey. Go and check out the Busted Bucket. They have a great time over there. They've had us both on. Chris, you did an episode with Travis Demers, another friend of the show and one of your Blazers uh, media buddies. Lots of awesome stories on there. They've had Antonio Harvey come on the show telling stories as well. Go and check out Busted Bucket as soon as you're done with our pod. Do it. Tim asks, what is your favorite matchup this postseason? And we got segments in the West and the East and a little bit more. But first things first, in the West, what's your favorite matchup so far? I think this Golden State-Memphis one so far. I mean, these it's been pretty balanced basketball, pretty intense basketball, as we've already talked good, about good with, with, with the flagrants and stuff. I think a lot yeah. of that, again, I think it just comes from two teams who have two guys who like to play on that edge. Um, but overall, it's been good basketball. You all, I mean, you got John Morant running his jaw a little bit after the game to, to, to Steph. <laughs> Talking, you know, I, think it, I think it was yeah. like, oh, we're going to have some fun now. And again, there's people who frown on that. I love it. I love it, dude. It's that entertainment, that gamesmanship. And it's, God, it's just, let's let's play that chess match. It, like, people don't like it, but that is part of the game. Like, A, you're not going to get in Steph Curry's head. But B, if you ain't trying, then come on. You got to at least try because you never know. <laughs> you, you never know. And I, I, I every love, little, what, every little I love what we're seeing from Jaw in this series. We're seeing a guy who's, who's just absolutely uh, becoming a star before our eyes. And again, on, on Just Two Fans, I was posed this question. They always laugh. We get to the NBA section of it and I just talk. They, they just shut up and let me talk because they don't watch <laughs> enough basketball. But a question they had from someone that they saw on, on Reddit was that Someone on Reddit said that he doesn't think Jaw is that good. He thinks he he doesn't have a good basketball IQ, and that what? you know he's just he, yeah he's athletic, but blah blah blah. And do you think that's hampering them in the series because he's bad? And it, to his point, he's like he's made some bad decisions. And I said no, I actually think Jaw Morant has a great basketball IQ. Yeah. Um, Jaw Morant reminds me of Russell Westbrook in his prime run in Oklahoma City, where he. Like Russell Westbrook still has a basketball mind. I know people like to hate on him right now with LA, but he's he's not a bad basketball player. At least he wasn't in his prime run. But he reminds right. me of Russell Westbrook in the fact that Russell Westbrook would occasionally make bad decisions because he was such a freak athletically that he could drive into the hole and take on three defenders and his athleticism yeah, yeah. would bail him out. Like he would yeah. still make that shot. And was it a bad decision? Sure. But he was such a freak athlete with so much bounce that he'd get away with it. Wasn't it wasn't going to cost him. Yeah, yeah there wasn't Now in LA, he's lost just a little bit of that bounce and his athleticism isn't getting him through those same plays. And now he's just making boneheaded plays. As where Morant, I think, has that, has a, a really good basketball bind. But when he makes a bad decision, it's just because he's so gifted athletically that, again, he could take it to the hole against three defenders, and it may not be a bad choice for him to do. So I love <laughs> it because, it again, he's turning into a star before our eyes. And anyone who thinks, oh, he's not, that's a bad comparison, like, go watch early young Russell Westbrook. Oh, it's no. Very, very similar. I mean, it's it's kind of a mix. Like, he's shades of, of that freak athlete in Russell Westbrook with – again with that that poison that stardom of a young d rose like he's a mix of just two uber explosive guards of the past and gosh i just love what we're seeing I, from him man when i was talking with abby last night as we're watching the games i made the same comparison i said john moran is like he's got a lot of what you saw in westbrook in his prime and like the best version of westbrook the difference too there's there's character difference in kind of how he presents i think that is going to help morant even more as he gets bigger as, as his star grows i think he's much easier to like than Westbrook was maybe in, uh, to, to certain fans at the very least. But beyond the Westbrook and like kind of athleticism, athleticism comparison too, excuse me, 
he brings the, the the passing like the 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 court vision that he has mm-hmm. and the pass that he's willing to attempt is it just so much fun to watch man yeah, just that's what I said I thought it was asinine for someone to argue that <laughs> yeah. John Morant doesn't have a high basketball IQ because I definitely think he does like I said I think his boneheaded plays because he does have a few um, but who doesn't right I mean we saw right. him from CJ we've seen him from Dame before but sometimes when you're when just you push you're the on envelope a, it happens yeah, you're on a hot streak or again you're so gifted athletically because I don't. I don't know if there is there a guard that comes to mind right now in the league that is as is as freakish athletically as John Morant is like no no one else is, is dunking like we're watching him dunk yeah. like it seems almost game after game he's just getting these like, throwdowns like, compare just... it to Dame dude I love Dame but sometimes Dame plays like he's about two inches taller like like <laughs> Dame will go in for for a dunk and like it's weird like he'll have his great ones but a lot of the time like dame dunks and when he dunks like he's he's like at the the, the like the top of his jump coming down and you're right like, oh, it's, it's he stretched to here he's like barely getting in it. yeah as where jaw like sometimes i swear that it's all an optical illusion that like, jaw is dunking <laughs> and you're like that mother was still going up like if he didn't getting, stop to dunk, he might have gone high. Like he might have. Like, like yeah, the, the it, it seems like you'll you'll see him cock higher. it back, and he's like almost he's, waiting for when he starts to come down before yeah. he throws it. He just has like, this, like, uh, like what is this? Like is this like is, I don't somewhere along the bloodline is Houdini in there or something? Because this dude is <laughs> levitating legit. Like this dude's crazy, a magician. Man. Like God, the, the he's difference fun with Dame, like John Moran is like athletic the way a greyhound is athletic. It just like stretches out and just each pace is giant. Dame is athletic the way a pit bull is athletic, where he's just this ball of muscle and is going to have a low center of gravity charge in there and then just jump up to your face the last second. You took uh, Warriors and uh, well, Warriors Grizzlies that we got going on right now. Yep. After the after the talk we had about the flagrants earlier, I don't know if I can say that's my favorite series because what we saw in the first round between the Suns and the Pelicans was really fun to me. Obviously, we have CJ down with the Pelicans and just looking like just prime CJ. He has a team built around that just makes way more sense than anything he really had, at least around him up here. And my former home team, the Suns, looking real good, man. I still have the Suns coming out of the West. We'll get to that more in a second. But I, I really enjoyed that first round series between the two, especially having, you know, Booker miss for a bit. So you had the 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 strain, kind of the tension of, oh, are they going to be able to pull this off if they're missing Booker? He comes back in the end. It's like, oh, yeah, they're okay. They're all right. I enjoy that one. How about in the East, though, Chris? What's your what's been your favorite matchup so far in the postseason? In the East, big fan of this Boston Milwaukee one. Um, yeah, Milwaukee looked absolutely incredible in Game One. Um, I mean, them and Phoenix both destroyed <laughs> in their first games, but they looked really, really good in Game One. And we had this the conversation on the Discord. Um, the the question was posed and uh, I apologize can't remember exactly who asked it but it was you know do you think uh, Boston can last in this series can they last offensively this and that and my response was I absolutely think Boston can last in this series but it's all going to come down to the defensive side of the ball they have to make adjustments on how Big they on guard defense. Giannis and how they guard the perimeter uh, secondly it was like uh, I thought in the game one Ime Udoka didn't make adjustments to Budenholzer's Budenholzer's in game adjustments like. Budenholzer went in at the halftime, made some great adjustments, and Udoka came out a little flat-footed, didn't adjust to those as well. I was, and as I said in the Discord, I said, Udoka's going to watch the tape. They're going to mm. make adjustments, and I think you're going to see a much better Game 2 out of them. And what did we see? A much better Game much 2 better out of the Celtics. Side, yeah. if, you lo- if you look at the Celtics in Game 1, you go and you go, okay, Milwaukee's running away from this series. You look at Game 2 and you're like, 
the Celtics can win this thing if they play their cards right. And I'm still picking them. They were my pick to get out of the East early. You're taking it? Uh, okay, okay. And so I'm going to stick with that. I'm not going to jump. But I think if this one continues to go with this back and forth, like maybe you see you see uh, Budenholzer make a good adjustment. So the the uh, Bucks come out with a haymaker in game three, but then the Celtics come out with another knockout blow in game four. Like this thing to me has all the writings of a series that could go seven games. And um, I really like the chess match that we're seeing between two really, really good coaches, two superbly talented teams. Love this match. Yeah. might be my favorite series of all the series. Of the postseason. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I'm with you, man. Like, again, we've talked about this plenty before. I love defense. I love seeing this kind of game from, from both sides, just not just a physical game, but, but smart physical basketball. I I'm really enjoying that. Yeah. It's, it's hard not to love the, the Milwaukee and the Boston series we've got going here. If, if I was going to give a different answer, I would say seeing Boston beat down Brooklyn in the first round, seeing the nets fall apart, uh, just seeing them lose. Cause we, we all know how much I have loved watching the super teams crumble. We talked about this a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago. Uh, absolutely have enjoyed uh not having the nets in here not having the lakers in here but yeah it's it's hard not to love this series between boston milwaukee though tim's next question who do you see coming out of each conference you mentioned boston already uh and actually tim's final question after this is are we going to see a boston and golden state finals again uh is that where you're going are you seeing golden state coming out of the west no, my pick, because um, I was asked this question again on just two fans go like share subscribe um Shout I was asked. Hey. I was out asked the same question at the start of the playoffs, and my pick at the start of the playoffs is Boston Phoenix. Um, I think Phoenix, Phoenix is is incredible. I think if there's a team that can can knock off Phoenix in this playoffs, I do think it's Golden State because I think firepower wise, they they can stretch that incredible Phoenix defense a little bit. But if there's mm. a team that can truly shut down a high powered Golden State offense. It's the Phoenix Suns, and so Suns. I, I definitely think they're the team to be out east. Is where I think it really gets interesting because my pick uh, pre playoffs, like again before we ever saw a game, was the Boston Celtics. So I'm going to stick with them. But realistically, I think the only team that doesn't have a chance in the East to win a title is the Sixers. I think my, I think <laughs> yeah, Miami, done, Milwaukee, man. and Boston are all incredibly talented. Any one of them could get out and any one of them could beat Phoenix in the finals if Phoenix makes it that far. Like because all three of them are so good on the defensive side of the ball. And again, defense wins championships, right? And Miami looks Miami looked incredible Miami's in that game hot, win, man. game one win over over Philly. So still sticking with Boston and I'm I'm uh going with Phoenix out of the West. And then if I had to choose like the team to win, like I'm going to hitch my wagon to Phoenix because yeah, I, well, it's the same reason I, I hitched it to him last year. Like I want to see Chris Paul get that fucking ring, man. Yeah, dude. Because like you look at all the players who have played forever, who didn't get the rings, like, you know, like the Patrick Ewings, like, right. The, the Carl Malone's and this and that, like, like, yeah, they didn't get their ring, but like the thing with Chris Paul is Chris Paul has played for multiple teams now and every single team he's played for, has incredibly found success. Like, mm. like, dude, Oklahoma, that Oklahoma City trade, Oklahoma City was not supposed to be good. They were supposed to be tanked. Right, like, right. they were supposed to tank. And <laughs> he had a very good year with the Oklahoma City Thunder that year, and the Thunder had a very good year. And then he goes to Phoenix, and all of a sudden, Phoenix, that has been a cellar dweller of the league, but you've you've seen what's going on. You've seen them building with Booker and getting uh, Aiton and, and getting in that young talent. He goes there, and he's 
he's the difference. He's the thing that gets him over the hump going from a good up and coming team to a great team. So I really want to see Chris Paul get that ring. I really do. Yeah, man. I'm I'm with you. I, my pick is definitely Phoenix coming out of the West. I'm just not wanting to see. I don't need to see Warriors get up there again. I know Steph is amazing, and I love seeing what Clay is doing as he comes back. But yeah, I, I to see no. Phoenix get up there to see Chris Paul. I think what? if you're a Blazer fan now, and I get what you're saying because you're a, you're a Phoenix guy, but I think if you're a Blazer fan, I think part of you should be rooting for Golden State to win because the same argument you always get with like, is it time to trade Dame? Is it this and that? Blah. blah. I want to see the team that easily wa- they they watched the wheels on the wagon wobble, right? Everyone got hurt. They they oh, were one of the worst okay. teams in the league, but they didn't get they didn't give up on a busted Clay Thompson who had to come back from the from from the uh what was it, Achilles injury with him? Sorry. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, they didn't give up on him. They didn't give up on Draymond with his multiple not bad injuries but lingering injuries. Didn't give up on Steph Curry missing multiple games and multiple chunks of the season with his various injuries as well. So again, they got to that point where the again, the wheels on the wagon, they they were they were going back and forth, but rather than say, "Okay, it's time to blow it up and get the most we can out of Steph and the most we can out of Clay and rebuild for the future." They said, "No." We trust our guys. They've got us here before. We trust them to get us out of here. And right now, they're, they're on the cusp of, of getting back to the Western Conference Finals. So I think part of you, if you're a Blazer fan, you should be rooting for that because it's the, the same argument you have for the wheels are, wa- are wobbling in Portland, but don't give up on I Dame get, yet. Don't give up I on get, Dame I get what yet. you're saying. Yeah, I, I like the idea of keeping faith in Dame. That's a good angle for it. But I, I think there's things that Blazer fans can look at with Phoenix, too, as far as having the established star that maybe he's getting past his Chris Paul past his best playing days. But then you've got the young up and coming star and Booker. You got the, you know, other pieces around him to build a contender. Yeah. Because a lot of conversations we've had on, but but Phoenix did it by going out and getting the aging star that may be past his prime. You don't want, we don't need to follow the exact same blueprint they're doing. (laughs) We we, we need to go get a piece though. Cause that's a lot of what we're trying to do. We're talking about saying there's an argument there to be with what you said though. I think the only team in the East that doesn't have much of a chance, the Sixers, I, picked the bucks earlier this season so i feel like i want to kind of stick with them but man boston and miami both i feel like if, if someone says you know like would you rather jump on this bandwagon instead of uh, the bucks one might be hard to say no because they're looking real hot so we got some more questions let's keep moving forward dylan mckinnon another former co-worker of ours uh shout out to him hey! asks oh see now we're getting into the real depth here too dylan asks how good of a player does the 25 bucks pick have to be for the Blazers to win the trade? Uh, for example, an all-star, given how far in the future the pick is, does he have to be all NBA? I'm talking retrospect on the Pau Gasol trade was even because Memphis got Mark Gasol in it, level of analysis. So he wants depth. He wants real detail here on what would it take, this, this pick that we wanted this season to catch everyone up, that Pelicans kept us from getting by making the playoffs, that pick is now a 2025 pick from the Milwaukee Bucks. The problem with that being, obviously, Milwaukee Bucks are a good team now. They'll probably still be good in three years. No guarantee on that. Mm-hmm. But how good would this pick have to turn out for us to make it feel like we won the trade? Um, again, first things first, Chris, let's just clarify. This was C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., Tony Snell, out of Portland. Coming back mm-hmm. was Josh Hart. Also, Keon Johnson was that this trade or no, is that this was uh, Keon was the Clippers. This was okay. This was uh, you got Josh Hart and you got um, Nikhil Alexander Walker, who was later right, off right, for right. Elijah Hughes. Um, but the main the main cog here was Josh Hart. 
So it was Josh Hart, a very young, undeveloped piece, and then this uh, this pick. We wanted the pick this year. If we'd gotten the pick this year and had two first-round picks in this in the summer when we're trying to make moves and obtain a bigger piece, that probably would have been enough to win the trade, in my opinion. At least as far as I, I would be hopeful that we... I'm not feeling like we lost it, at least at that point. Obviously, right now, when that pick from them is devalued from a this year uh, top 10 pick to... Or, you know, top 11, 14, whatever, to the future pick from the, from the Bucks. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't know if he has to be an all-star that we get out of it, but you have to have a role player that turns into something. Man, yeah, this is... This is I think that 25 pick has to turn into a very capable, very... Um, a difference... Make, not necessarily an all-star, but a difference-making starter for you to... Difference-making starter. For you to claim you won the pick. Um, or you, you won the trade, because you got... You, you got... Nikhil Alexander Walker, who you traded out in that deal uh, for Elijah Hughes, who I don't think is, I mean, you got Joe Ingles, but that's a little bit of depth, but Elijah Hughes isn't much. Um, Didi Ludoza, who's not going to do anything. Um, you got Josh Hart, who I think is a great six man, but starting caliber, but I just don't think that's what you want uh, in the lineup to really get over the hump. And you got to remember, this isn't just CJ McCollum. You also gave away Larry Nance Jr., right. who mm. was a very good piece for the Pelicans. I think Portland fans saw in him how good he could be as a rotational big. Um, so you gave up some talent there. I think you have to get a starter in return with that 25th pick from the Buck or 25 pick for the Bucks, 2025, wherever that falls. And you could get it. I mean, you can get starters in the late first round. You've seen great starters come out of the, the late second round or early second round too. You just got to be good with the pick, obviously. But if you mm. get that pick and it turns into let's say a harry giles right the uh, mid mid first round he was like what 15th pick Something and like it's just bounced around um then you didn't win that trade if it is a yeah if it's a zach collins you didn't win that trade if it's you know as you continue to go down the list people picked in that situation um so i think you have to get quite a bit to to technically win that trade again where does it go though? Does if, if Josh Hart is still a part of this team, does he get traded out and you get something back in return that helps you? Uh, again, financially, right, like financially, if... the trade had to happen, so you are in a better spot than you were just because of the way the finances are. But in the long run, if you don't get difference-making players by trading out, arguably one of the top ten Blazers of all time, and you don't get a difference maker in return at the end of that, that's a I think that's a hard pill to swallow. Yeah, I. If if you just compare CJ to Josh Hart, obviously straight up, they we, we're we are downhill. We're we're facing an uphill climb even at that point. You you could say that if this pick, without it becoming a player, without knowing who it turns into or becoming like a starter, like you're saying, if this pick is used to as an asset to acquire another piece, like we've talked before. Originally, the idea was that if we got the Pelicans pick this season, that pick would be used to acquire Jeremy Grant. Right. If the future pick that we're going to get from the Bucks, if that pick is still used as an asset to acquire Jeremy Grant, does that kind of flip this into a win? I, I, I would say it's at least even because here's the thing. Yeah, I want, okay. Like let, let's, let's really analyze what CJ McCollum was. CJ McCollum was a top tier shooting guard in the league, but let's just put him in the, um, let's put him in the 
fringe all-star category, right? Like he, sure. was, he was never an all-star. Um, could he have been one? I still think he can be one um, sure, yeah. uh, if, if the cards fall right. But let's just say he's a fringe all-star right now. Um, and then you trade Larry Nance Jr., who is a, a guy who is a tweener in the fact that he is, you can start when you need him to, but he's best served as a sixth man off the bench, right? So you trade those you, you trade those two out and what you, you mainly get in, in, in return again is like Ludoza and uh, Nikhil Alexander Walker who are Luzada, non, Luzada, non, whatever Luzada yeah. sorry uh, who are non-starters like they're they don't move the needle at all right uh, but your big return is Josh Hart and Josh Hart is a tweener he's Larry Nance Jr. he's a guy that you can like start... he's maybe a little above Nance but yeah he's, he's closer yeah. to Nance than CJ's he, level yeah is I'm what just saying, saying put them co- comparable like he is yeah he's yeah, a, yeah. He's, he's a tweener gotcha. in the fact that you can start him when you need to but he's probably best served as a rotational guy sixth man off the bench gotcha. so I would yeah, put him totally. on the level of, of Larry Nance Jr. so the big gap in this trade is your fringe all-star right hmm. and I honestly think that's Larry uh Jeremy Grant Jeremy Grant yeah because Jeremy hmm. Grant is going to be in that conversation like He's going to put up big numbers, but he's not really an all-star type, right? right and that yeah. was CJ McCollum. So if you end up getting that 25th pick, or I keep saying 25th pick, sorry. 2025 keep, pick from the Bucks, yeah. <laughs> get rid of that 2025 pick and get Jeremy Grant back in return, then you traded a fringe all-star and a sixth man slash you know, placeholder starter. And in return, you got a sixth man slash placeholder starter in Josh Hart, Plus and a, a fringe, fringe all-star. all-star type in Jeremy Grant. And at that point, I think you can say that the trade was even, at least. So even. that's where the bar is. Yeah. 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 I'm with you on that. I think, I think what, if you really dive into it, I think you can argue that Nola still wins because the impact CJ has on that roster overall, um, because he goes from being, he he's there. He's, he's like a face of the franchise type for them. Brandon Ingram right. is like the guy right now, but he is a star for them. As were Jeremy Grant, you still want to add a piece so that maybe he is like your your third guy, right? Um, so again, it's all fit this and that. But I think if you could get uh, that twenty twenty five pick out and get Jeremy Grant in, then you're at least in the conversation of that trade was even. Because again, everyone's like, "Oh, Jeremy Grant's that's not enough for what you shipped out in CJ." What did you ship out in CJ? A very very good shooting guard, but it's not like he was winning. He was on. An all NBA first, second, or third team. He wasn't going to the All Star game. Like I said, he's in that conversation. He's getting votes, but he's not going. Jeremy Grant's going to be the exact same. So yeah. you you traded out a comparable style, type player, but if you got Jeremy Grant, you got a position of need in return in in forward play. So I think that is where you really start to say, okay, I think they at least came out even. All right, next question coming from. Another one of our Discord users, uh, one of our new friends on Discord. I'm probably going to butcher this name, although I think it's a little easier than our guy last week. By the way, quick follow-up on that. Uh, I was saying Dumpy is me dump, and all that kind of thing <laughs> last week. It, it, it was his initials. It's His, his first initial, uh, D, and then the last name is MPC. So it's DMPC. I'll say that correctly next time. Uh, this one, though, a little area. This one, though, a little easier. I believe the name is Area 50's IMAX. I'm probably still saying that wrong. Maybe it's Area 50 Cymax or Cymax. <laughs> I don't know. Area 50's IMAX is who we're going with. First question: If you had to start only one at shooting guard, let's assume that small forward is taken by some stud. Who do you pick between Penny or Hart? Bonus points, Area 50's IMAX for saying Penny. Nice on that one. Uh, he then says, I pick Hart for his defense. Tim from Busted Bucket jumped in too, says he picks Penny 
for all the money they will be paying him, which again, <laughs> fair point. And also bonus points to Tim for using the proper name for, for Simons. Uh, look at all this, man. All, people calling him the Rose Garden, people calling him Penny Simons. We got all this like unity on Discord. Everyone kind of falling in. I love it. Discord link in the episode description. I think Tim is more accurate here as far as we're, we're paying Simons a lot of money. He's going to start. But I love a theoretical that makes so much logical sense when you know it will never happen. So I'm with Area 50's IMAX that I would rather have Hart start. I think if you put Hart in there next to Dame, he's a better fit defensively, a bit more of a dog to just kind of like clog it up and, and help make up for what Dame doesn't do. And you bring Penny off the bench, man. He could run the second unit and just, it would just be, it would be killer. We've, we said this years ago though too, though. We always talked about how CJ McCollum's best fit would be running an offense outside of Dame instead of having it on the floor at the same time. And it never happened. You almost mm -hmm. never saw it. Obviously, I still think it would have worked, man, from what we see in, in New Orleans now. If CJ had run a unit up here after Dame ran his starting unit, the, the opponent never gets a rest. It, it's mm -hmm. a great recipe, but there's ego and there's pride and there's all the stuff for players who are, like like Tim said, getting paid big money. They're not going to come off the bench. Uh, it's, so it's going to be Penny that starts, but it should be hard. I'm with you, Area 50s, IMAX. Hmm. Tell me how you disagree, sir. Yeah, I just, I gotta go, I gotta go ant here. I mean, if you're gonna Because get, you're being realistic. If but, you're gonna get you, paid but, your money, it's gonna be him. I yeah. also think there's some interesting tidbits with how Billups has run his offense a little bit. Cause I think if, I think if you have ant in, I think you could do a little bit more of what you didn't do with CJ. And that was maybe have some situations where ant is your initiator. I mean, I think I think it'd be smart to run some some sets where you have Ant as your as your your primary point guard and you have Dame playing off ball and let him run through those those off ball screens and get open and then take wide open threes. Like I said, I think you need to run a little bit more of how you've seen Kerr run in Golden State with with Steph. Steph does not have the ball in his hands as often as people think. Like yes, he's their point guard. Yes, he's their primary point of contact. But there is a lot of dribble well, handoffs run yeah. off run off screens get open take shots and i would love to see some more of that out of dame definitely um i do like the fit like you said with josh hart just because being that two-way player doesn't have to command the ball i think that was the 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 tough part with cj is cj being such a very good isolation player that meant that he wanted to have the ball in his hands a little bit more when he had the ball that did take it out of dame's hands um and not you know ideal situations and i think ant can be the exact same in that so but yeah and, i think style wise quick, me, i like heart but. let me let me start to interrupt you a little bit but just to no, uh, follow up with like a point you made last week too with damon and, and simon's both they're both so good. You don't want to take the ball. I don't remember how someone's question, I think from last week or the week before was asking about the similar thing where you brought that up. Exactly. saying you don't want to take the ball out of either of their hands. And mm -hmm. the best way to get it in their hands would, would be to have them running opposite units. I'm with you where I love the idea of Penny running the offense and having Dame play off ball. Like what we see with Steph Curry in, in Golden State. I think it'd be a really nice extra wrinkle that we don't see enough of. And I'd love to get, you know, more ball movement among the rest of the team, more kind of diverse offense. Uh, but yeah, I, I think what you're saying, I, I just, again, this kind of feeds into the idea of if you could have, if you could take pride in the money and the ego out of it and just have the logic of like, we're going to put the role player next to Dame because that makes sense and it gives the focus on Dame. 
still maybe have Dame and Penny playing, like Dame off ball with Penny running the show as they transition to the second unit. But man, this, it, it just seems like it'd be so much more potent than almost wasting your two best weapons on the floor at the same time. Yeah, it's it's a tough situation. You, know, you got to have them. You want to have your best players on the court at all times. But then if you right. do have those two on the court at the same time, you, maybe you're not utilizing them in the best way possible. Which again, there's only which one is ball why, kind of thing. Why everyone talks about you know signing Simons and and whatnot. Like I, I, that's why I still think sign and trade could be very plausible because mm. as much as it would hurt to see him go, if you could bring someone that meshes in stylistically just a little bit better next to Dame, then yeah. I think you're going to be. I think you're going to be better off for that. I think Josh Hart matches mashes up very well, but at the same time, like I think he's still better suited as a sixth man type. If you do end up keeping Simons, then I think you have to go back to the Terry Stotts playbook. And I think not run the Terry Stotts offense, but Coach Billups needs to understand what worked with Terry. And Terry did do a very mm. good job of the, we're going to start CJ and Dame together. And then CJ or Dame's going to play the whole first quarter. We're going to get CJ, right, we're right. going to get CJ out of there early, sub in my my two guard, and then we're going to have situations in the second quarter where CJ comes in first and he runs the unit by himself. So that's what yeah. you're going to have to do if Ant is still on the team. You can start them together, get uh, Hart off the bench early, and then get Simons back in early in the second quarter to be your primary point guard next to next to Josh Hart. So to run like a second unit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It, 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 there's a blend. There's that middle ground in there somewhere, which is probably what we'll see most of uh, as far as uh, Area 50's original question. Do you pick Penny or Hart? It's it's going to be Penny because the money. But yeah, like you're saying, hopefully Billups is not blind to the logic of, of fit and, and rotation and the rest. Okay. Area 50's IMAX. Next question. We went, he was talking about Simons versus Hart in the last one. Now we are getting to the coaching. Is Chauncey. Based on what we saw as a coach pre and post tank, a good hire. So he's going to break this down. Part one, Chris. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about pre tank. The defense, uh, this is according to Area 50's IMAX. Let's talk about pre tank. The defense really wasn't there. It seemed to me that, and the defense really wasn't there, it seemed to me, and that's why he was hired, right? To change the mindset of Stotts' offensive base style. We get to the next in a minute, but, but pre tank, how do you evaluate Chauncey's coaching? He was brought into bring in more defense, get away from just the straight offensive style. Was that successful? What did you see? Uh, I think it was undetermined. It's hard to say it was successful Mm. or not. Um, You saw a lot of stylistic changes, and those stylistic changes take time. I know everyone wants to go back to the whole, like, uh, yeah, but he had Dame for this amount of time, and you still didn't see a lot of changes. Uh, They weren't playing that well, and that's true. But if you take in... The, the games Dame played before he ended up going out with an injury during that exact same time period, I think the Celtics were only two hmm. games better than the Blazers yeah, were yeah. at that point. Um, I think what were the, what were the Blazers? I think the Blazers had 11 wins or something like that. I want to say the, I want to say, give me one sec. Standings by date. Let's look up when Damian Lillard left. 29 games. And so let's just say 1231. Almost there. Eastern Conference. It doesn't matter. Highlight teams. That's why. I was like, that's not right. That's oh, mm-hmm. because I was looking at the wrong year. Okay. Damian Lillard officially went out on January 3rd. At that point in the season, on January 3rd, the Trailblazers were, if you remember correctly, they were 14 and 22. But Damian Lillard missed six games. 
in the six games okay. he did not play, the Blazers were one and five. So take away the games Damian Lillard didn't play. And through the first 30 games, the Trailblazers were 13 and 17. Okay. Now I want to go to the Eastern Conference real quick because through the first 30 games, the Boston Celtics were 15 and 15. So the Boston Celtics were only two games better than the Trailblazers through their first 30 games if the Blazers were healthy and had Damian Lillard in there. So okay, okay. you look at the Boston Celtics, at that same exact point in time, Keith, the questions that Blazer fans are asking about Chauncey Billups were very, very similar to the questions you were hearing out of Boston. Is Adoka, Adoka yeah. the right hire? Are we seeing the defensive changes that we want? The point is, it took time for the Celtics to really initiate what Ime was trying to do with them. And they had Jason Tatum, who's a good defender. They had Jalen Brown, who was a very good defender. They have Marcus Smart, who is questionable to some. <laughs> the defensive player <laughs> of the year. Not the defensive player of the year. And here's the thing with Marcus Smart, though. You argue that he's not defensive player of the year, and that's fine. That's a fair argument. I even told you that. I wouldn't have picked him, but he was in yeah, that conversation yeah. and deserved to be in, in the, the conversation. conversation. Yeah, that's the fair. point that's is, fair. that roster is stacked with very, very good defensive players. And even with that, it still took them multiple months into the season. More than really, 30 games, let's to say. Really like start to really, to figure, really start to figure it out. Yeah. And with Portland, I mean, you even go, okay, another week end of january at the end of january the celtics were 27 and 25 only two games above 500 so by the end of january and yeah yeah, and they're Mm. playing with a largely healthy roster just trying to build things up now Eme starts to really start to take off and they start to buy in kind of what all-star break post all-star break and by the end of march they're 47 and 30 they went again through their first 30 games they were 500 only two games better than the Blazers to the end of March. They're 17 games above 500 because everything they've started to do with that defense is finally starting to click and they're starting to understand what Ime wants to do. So it's hard to say that, that Chauncey did a bad job because the Blazers defense didn't show marked improvement out of the gate yet. Neither did the Celtics defense and they had the right. defensive player of the year on that roster. If, if nothing else, that should just be, again, a good kind of hope and confidence and patience, instilling some patience in Blazer fans, being like, you can get off to that start. So basically, you're saying up through the end of January, Celtics were only essentially 500 basketball. Right. And that's that's pretty much approaching the trade And now they they're a team the that we are looking at, at right now that is that has a, 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 a chance to right. dethrone the defending champions and get to the Eastern Conference Finals and be a team that might even make it to the finals. Like, they're in that conversation. That's what good defense can do. Like they're they're they didn't know where their season was going as of late January, and mm-hmm. now they're in that position. The point so, yeah, is, don't make all one. don't make all your judgments based off the first thirty games of the season, because exactly. things can drastically change, especially when you're trying to implement a brand new head coach. I think what you look at with Billups is not necessarily the 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 outcome, not the wins and losses, not the points given up. Is you start is look at what you saw different defensively and offensively, because you saw it. You saw different approaches to the defense. You saw a little bit more blitzing out of the Blazers than you've seen before. You saw the way they would try to fight over picks rather than going under picks far too much. And if they were going under picks, they were getting scolded for it. But at the same time, by the (laughs) end of the year, 
you're trying to implement your defensive changes, but you're doing it with Trenton Watford and Greg Brown and Kelgen Blevins and guys who are either not going to be on this team or are going to be the end of your bench. As where Boston at that exact same time was doing it with the defensive player of the year and one of the best defensive two, uh, two-way guards and one of the best defensive two-way forwards in Tatum. Like, right, right. They were doing it with the talent there to back up the stylistic changes as where Portland just didn't have the talent to back up the, no matter how you, you could have switched the two coaches. Everyone right. would say that Udoka had a far better year than Billups and is probably a better coach than Billups. Personally, I don't understand it. It was right They're saying that right you. now is what you're saying. And you, if I you think reverse the people, roles. I think most people would. But if you reverse yeah. the roles, Ime Udoka probably has a very similar outcome to the Blazer season as to Billups because of what Billups was handed roster-wise. Right. I don't think Billups does as good a job with Boston as Udoka did, but they're still a playoff team and they still show, show marked improvement. My point is, I still think it's there with Billups. I think Billups showed little things that you could pick on if you're really starting to analyze the game and you're not just looking at box scores and defensive ratings and blah, blah, blah. You have to have a full roster and a very a roster that complements each other well to get the best out of it. So it's going to take, unfortunately, another half year to really see what's going right. on. Right. Uh, just to phrase it a little differently, I, th- I think the the big problem is that we haven't seen enough. It's, it's hard to judge. It's hard to say that. It's, at the very least, it's hard to come down too negatively on him because of, like you're saying, what he was given. If he had been in Boston, he'd have a much better reputation right now. And Ndoka here in Portland would have been looked at as like, oh boy, you know, flopping out, not so good of a head coach. You know, yeah, we Udoka, are the, Udoka, though, the thing is, Udoka is not a former like stud NBA former champion, former player, all-star, yeah, NBA champion, not yeah, totally. a and doesn't have the court case behind him that has soured, mm. soured so many fans on the hiring of Billups in the on first Billups, place. Yeah. So, if you did have Udoka in this exact same situation, I don't necessarily think the questions are being asked because I think Udoka would have been given a much longer leash by the fan base so to speak because there's nothing to be irritated about in the first place to instantly jump on him for you know what i mean but but purely all the other stuff aside my job is to analyze what i see on the basketball court and on the basketball court i do see some stylistic changes from billups that i do think can breed success given a fully healthy and a well-complemented roster yeah i i yeah, it, it does. It feels a little silly just to kind of kick the can down the road, but I think that's really the only accept the only the only answer I really feel comfortable with right now is is just that it's we got to give it more time. Got to wait and see. Still, um, I know that's probably not quite the answer Area 50's IMAX was looking for with this, but I will say this: we've we've ran through all these listener questions. Uh, had a good almost an hour and a half pod. Now look at that. We were going to originally purely just be talking about billups and simons and the rest we got some of that in here but we're going to save even more of an in-depth dive for next week's episode probably just dive into specifically those two and probably a few more listener questions as we go because that's just how it goes on discord these guys have something to say speaking of one more listener question here to wrap up a very late arrival from tim at busted bucket shout out to him again if humans colonize the moon would it throw off the moon's orbit well the moon's orbit is already being thrown off. It's moving away by X centimeters Ooh. every single year. And within the next few 
thousand years or million years, the moon will actually be out of Earth's orbit anyway. So Earth's, the, the moon's orbit's already big, thrown off. I do not think that the amount of weight the human race would add to the moon via colonization <laughs> would be enough to physically alter the orbital spin and rotation any closer to Earth as it is, because there's obviously far more people on Earth than there would be able to be put on the moon, and the weight of the human race has not effectively impacted Earth's orbit. Now, when you get into the quantum physics of everything, which I won't get in here Nerd. to bore you, I'm not going to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Why has there never been a sci-fi movie about that? Yeah. Hauling out the moon, making it lighter, uh, although maybe we, we displace the weight that we take off the moon with how many people we're putting up there. You change the, the moon's orbit relative to the Earth, then you also impact tidal forces. The human's impact on the Earth's and moon's rotation relative to each other. Severe hurricane season. Just, just fly up there, put a flag down, and leave. You know, Tim threw this uh, this last question in here. He even said, "I want to hear you guys talk about space stuff." I thought that would be a really funny, quick, uh, like short answer to end it on. And here goes Neil deGrasse Burkhart. Uh, just giving us the, the, the full in-depth on, on the displacement of gravity, uh, gravitational forces, uh, and how it would affect the time. Fun fact. Fun fact. A journalism major who took so many astronomy classes. Don't get me started on globular clusters, Keith, okay? Don't get me started. <laughs> Coming soon to the Trailcasters Empire, we're going to have a Star Wars episode. We're going to have a science fact episode will, with, dude, with Chris deGrasse Burkhardt. No, you missed uh, it. You missed it. You missed it. You said... You the fact that I threw out globular cluster to you and you were not able to make the galaxy reference and then make a reference to say that one day we will record a podcast from a galaxy far, far away is just absolutely oh! uh, upsetting to me. See, I, I started the podcast with my disappointment in you and I'm ending my podcast with my disappointment in you. I'm here just I'm here just trying to look for the exit. I'm trying to get us out of here. I'm trying to jump to hyperspace if we're going for more Star Wars references. I missed this your This isn't your the globular. end you're looking for. <laughs> but that is the end anyway, dear listeners. That's where we're, that's where we're going to cut it off. Thank you, as always. Uh, wonderful questions from Discord. I'm so thrown off. I'm completely off in another galaxy. I have been, I've been transported away uh, off of Chris's globular, globular I'll clusters. Have, I'll, hey, Scotty, beam him back. Beam him back, Scotty. <laughs> Listeners, if you are not on our Discord yet, that's where all this fun is coming from. We had so much fun on Discord that it completely pushed all the rest of the planned episode out of the way, and this just became the Listener Questions episode, and the Star Wars episode, and the Chris DeGrasse Burkhart episode. But please, come on, come, come and join us on Discord. Link is in the episode description. Lots of great times. In closing, your honorable listeners, that's it. That's our show. Thank you, Chris Burkhart. Thank you, Odar, for these fat beats. Thank you, Discordians, for all of your Discord questions. And thank you, listeners, for a great listening. We hope you enjoy your Blazers, your Ripsky basketball, and our latest episode. Thank you again, and please come back next week for the next edition of the Trailcasters. May the 4th be with you! Stop it. <laughs> Globular f- <laughs> clusters. <laughs>